We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to Money Beat's Look at the Week Ahead. I am Paul Vigna. I'm Stephen Grosser. And, oh boy, is this going to be a good week, Stephen Grosser. It's a big week. It is a big week. This week, not our last week, not so big. This week, going to be very big. Last week, your typical kind of lazy summer week, but boy, howdy. Not this week. Got a lot of data, a lot of earnings to help us break it all down. Joining us from Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, Ben Lubsdorf. Ben, how are you? Great. How are you guys? Uh, good. Are you excited as we are about this this big upcoming week? It would be difficult for me to overstate how excited I am. (laughs) I believe you. I absolutely 100% believe you. Uh, Let's jump right in. Uh, I I guess the Fed, the Fed is the biggest thing on the calendar, Ben. Is that true? I think it's. I think you can make a good argument for that. Yeah. The Fed is pretty large. They've got a large balance sheet, and that balance sheet <laughs> yeah. is something we're waiting for them to act on. So, uh, yeah, the Fed is wrapping up its uh, two-day policy meeting on Wednesday. Uh, there is no press conference this time, so mm-hmm. it's just the policy statement coming out. Right. Uh, and people aren't expecting them to raise rates. <laughs> people <laughs> and most people aren't expecting them to announce any changes to their balance sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're really looking for this week are signals. Uh, what signals are they going to send on the balance sheet? They announced their plan for how they want to begin to shrink that $4.5 trillion balance sheet. A lot of people think that they might go in September to begin that process. Uh, if they send some signal in the statement saying, you know, they're planning to do that soon, right. that would be a pretty good indication that they're, that that is on their mind and in their plans for September. Yeah. Or, uh, or is there a chance that they might signal – they're they're ratcheting back a little bit from those plans. I mean, I I, I don't know as as I say it, grocers look giving me a little look there. But I mean, I don't know. Isn't it even worth asking the question that that maybe the Fed's going to you know ease off a little bit? Well, I, th- I think the question is on rates more than the balance sheet. Yeah. They've made clear they don't want to use the balance sheet as an active tool of policy. They just want to get this thing going and mm-hmm. have it run in the background and no one pays attention to it so that they can focus on what they know, which is interest rates and manipulating those up and down to to affect the economy. And right. I think that that's, that's probably an argument for them not trying to tweak the timing of that beyond what they were already planning to do. Mm-hmm. But we'll be watching really closely. I mean, we've had some pretty soft inflation data the last few months. And I, the statement has language on inflation now. It'll be very interesting to see if that language gets tweaked in a more dovish direction that people are – the Fed is starting to get more worried that what they thought was a couple of one-off things that pushed down core inflation right. might be a broader, more sustained weakening in price pressures. If we saw that, that would – I think people might take that more as a signal about will they raise rates in December than mm. will they do the balance sheet in September. Yeah. Though obviously yeah. this timing's all up in the air. You sort of you sort of got to actually what the question I was when you know because when we talk signals, oftentimes with the Fed's policy statement, we're talking slight changes to language and not specific. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Uh, are there any other you know sort of places or areas that you are looking at that might you know lay some you know as you read the tea leaves that might you know give some hints as to what the Fed is planning to do? Well, obviously you want to pay attention to what Janet Yellen says. Yeah. Uh, she 
testified before Congress. Uh, she sounded maybe a touch more concerned about inflation than she did at the June press conference uh, after the June meeting, but still not in the camp of those who have said they really want to see an increase in inflation before they go again on rates. Uh, but I mean, that's the, these statements are you know very carefully crafted. Every word has a meaning, and we. Uh, I, again, I think the language around inflation is going to be very closely watched. It says, I think right now it says something like uh, inflation is running below 2%. It'll be interesting to see what how they tweak that. But, you know, statements by Janet Yellen, uh, her speeches, those are the most important signals that are out there. People watch the rest of the FOMC and what they say, and that's worth doing. But uh, Janet Yellen is for now driving this bus, so... You know, there is one report this week, one other report this week that is critical looking at the economy. And you would imagine the Fed will take notice of it. I'm talking about GDP, of course, on Friday. And before we even get to it, one question I have been, and I think people ask this all the time, uh, is does the Fed get a sneak peek at any of these numbers beforehand? In other words, the, the Fed is their meeting this week. Do, do they know what the GDP number is going to be on Friday? That's a good question. I, I don't think so, but I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, I know that the major economic indicators are provided the night before release to the White House uh, right. through the Council of Economic Advisors. Uh, so the president generally knows what the jobs report is going to say the next morning on mm -hmm. Thursday evening. Mm -hmm. uh, but two days in advance, uh, I mean, they're very careful in how they pull together these reports, that they don't have them sitting around for a few days with numbers right. out. Right. Uh, they and BEA, the Bureau of Economic Analysis, which puts together GDP, has talked about their sort of procedures for how they bring people together to calculate the numbers and put the report together. And I don't think there's a huge gap. So I don't think that the Fed, the Fed might not be getting the actual report on Wednesday mm -hmm. uh, when they're meeting, but they certainly will have a general idea of what the report's going to say because we all do. We've all right. there are any number of GDP trackers and uh, calculations on what it's going to say, and they're usually pretty accurate, not always, but uh, the consensus out there right now is that we're going to see a number around 2.5% growth for the second quarter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if the Fed, that's what some of the Fed's own models are telling them is going to happen. So I, I think the Fed would probably operate on the assumption that GDP is going to say what they think it's going to say. Right. But I, I don't... I don't believe they would get the numbers that early in advance. Right, right. No, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. And then let's talk about that mid-to print, that kind of a number. I mean, what does that say about, yeah, I, I guess the second quarter and the first half, and then what does it mean for the rest of the year? Well, this is one of those good news, bad news things, I think. Uh, on the one hand, it's good. It's a higher number than we had for the first quarter. That right. was 1.4%. This is 2.5. Growth is picking up. You're, we're expecting to see a acceleration in consumer spending. That's a, the biggest part of the economy, so that's really good to see. Uh, on the other hand, just a few months ago, we were talking about 3%, 4% growth for the mm -hmm. second quarter. And those numbers have come down, those tracking numbers have come down quite a bit. So it's, it's a nice rebound. It's not great. It's a little disappointing compared to where we thought we would be at this point. And it leaves the first half of the year right around 2%. And if that sounds familiar, it should. I mean, that's the exactly. pace that we've been at for eight years now. Right. And there were a lot of hopes, obviously, in markets and elsewhere that we'd start to see stronger growth. Uh, but 
not a lot of legislation has passed yet mm-hmm. uh, on taxes, on trade, on any of the on regulations, on any of these things that people talk about when they're talking about a growth agenda. And these the really big jumps in consumer sentiment we've seen have started to ease off a bit. So we're not if there's going to be some big acceleration in growth, we're we're not seeing it yet. That leads, I mean, to the next, you just mentioned, obviously, consumer sentiment. That comes out as well on Friday, the University of Michigan survey. Um, What are we expecting uh, there? Uh, Well, uh, we get Michigan on Friday, and on Wednesday we get the, uh, I'm sorry, on Tuesday we get the consumer confidence report from Mm -hmm. uh, the conference board, and they measure pretty much the same thing. Uh, The consensus is that we're going to see July numbers that are lower than the June numbers that we saw. Uh, sentiment's been pretty high. Uh, it looks like it may be weakening a bit. Now, it's tough to read too much into these one-month moves, but if you look at the sort of broader charts, these numbers peaked in early 2017 and have eased off a bit. They're still pretty high. Yeah, that's what Sentiment's still high, but they're not at the really crazy high levels that they were at. And you're starting to see in the Michigan report, they flagged uh, previously this huge partisan split between Republicans being really optimistic about the future and Democrats being very pessimistic about the future since right. the election. And you're starting to see in that data uh, somewhat of a compression that those folks are starting to meet in the middle. And if that continues, that that's pretty much what you'd expect to see if there wasn't a real underlying change in the economy. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, let's talk about the housing numbers. Uh, let's quickly talk about the housing numbers coming out this week. Uh, yeah, on Monday, we're getting the existing home sales report from the National Association of Realtors. And on Wednesday, we're getting new home sales from the government. Existing home sales is the one everyone pays attention to for good reason. It's something like 90% of home buying activity. And it's a much more stable number than the new home sales number. Uh, economists are thinking that there's going to be a lower lower sales pace in June than there was in May, pulling back maybe 1.1% is the consensus. Mm. Uh, this could be, it's really seesawed this year between increasing and declining, uh, sort of stuck moving sideways as you have all these cross currents in the housing market. Uh, mortgage rates that are higher than they've been, but still pretty low, prices that are rising really fast, inventory that's been really tight, uh, sort of waiting to see is there going to be a point where you have a lot of home buyers just walk away and say, I can't afford a house right now. I'm mm-hmm. not going to buy. Uh, that hasn't seemed to happen yet, uh, probably because interest rates are so low. But uh, we're watching really closely to see, is there some tipping point where either you have a bunch of demand go away or you have a bunch more supply come onto the market? Yeah. Right, right. I, I suddenly have the old song, uh, what is it, stuck in the middle with you? Yeah, it's in no, my head right, now all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about earnings, still earnings season out there, folks. You are listening to Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. For more insights, enable the Wall Street Journal skill on any device with Amazon Alexa. Get all of our podcasts, as well as the latest news and market updates. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Just for Paul. Just for me. Welcome back. 
to Money Beat, the Money Beat podcast. We're looking at the week ahead. We love being stuck in the middle with you. We hope you like being with us. Paul and Stephen here in New York City. And this this is a transcontinental podcast right now because in D.C. we still have Ben Lubsdorf. Ben, welcome back. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. And joining us from the West Coast, from San Francisco, Dan Gallagher heard on The Street Writer. Dan, how are you? Great. Good. Glad to have you here. And Dan, we need you here because now we want to talk about earnings. We, gotta get, we have a few you know, big tech companies reporting. That's why we're, we're looking for a few insights from you, Dan. It's going on. Yeah. So exactly. let's, let's start off Monday. We get hit right out of the gate. Alphabet. And if you still don't know, Alphabet is what Google used to be. They renamed the company. Uh, so basically, it's Google reporting earnings. What are we looking for there? Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be an interesting quarter based on, uh, you know, the estimates have sales uh, decelerating a little bit from what we saw in the March quarter. And the earnings line is expected to take a hit because of the uh, EU fine they got. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm seeing here, I think I think there's some caution getting baked. Even though the company said, you know, we reported, the journal reported the problems they had with YouTube and some of the videos, the ads that were showing up. And so advertisers were pulling some deals. Um, Google, in the times they've talked about since, hasn't really sh- hasn't said that that has had an impact. Right. But I think there's at least some estimates trying to bake in some potential impact there. So if they show no impact, it'll actually, it should be a good quarter for them because they'll end up probably beating the street. Yeah. Hey, I mean, it's it's amazing. For all the, the griping you hear about the online advertising market, uh, Google, and certainly another company that will report later this week that we'll talk about in a second. I mean, these guys are still basically minting money, it seems like. Am I, am I wrong about that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And incred- incredibly profitable. Uh, you know, Google's margins are still like, I think, about the high 20 percent line. Yeah. You know, when they started breaking out, you know, a couple of years, a little less than two years ago, they started breaking out how they reported, you know, with these these other bets they have, these kind of non non core businesses that right, they invest right. in. So when they did that, they made it made core Google the you know, which is mostly the advertising business, look a lot better by comparison. Yeah, and we also had this week, you know, the other behemoth in the sort of online advertising world, Facebook. Um, what are we sort of expecting there? Uh, Facebook is, uh, again, I think that's one where expectations are tempered a little bit. I mean, there's, you know, I think investors are still looking for like a double digit growth rate. Um, but Facebook has been trying to warn um, its investors that that the the really this massive growth rate that they've been seeing over the last two quarters, they think it's going to slow because uh, they're they're going to they're not going to increase the ad load as much as they've as they've been doing. Okay. Um, and that's I think part of that's because, you know, you don't want to kill the experience and have right. Facebook turn into like, you know, all ads as you're trying to go through. So you're trying to be watchful of that. Yeah, um, but it, we'll have to see what the, the interesting question will be. How much do they do that? And then by doing that, do they make the value of those ads more? Do they enjoy stronger pricing? We don't mm-hmm. know if that's going to happen. But that would be later in the year that we would see that if it happened. The other com- the other big tech company that you know is, that is I think we've been focused on a lot here is Amazon. They're reporting what has been uh, one of the focuses. You know, Paul and I and, and the Money Bee team has just been every time Amazon announced a new partnership, a deal, or this, it sends some group of retailers their shares. Uh, you know, tumbling. Um, 
It's been, it's been a pretty, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the questions I have is just what are what are we expecting from you know their earnings? Um, where's going to be the really big growth areas? And are they going to also you know talk a little bit about the, their bid for um, Whole Foods? I I would be surprised if they said much about Whole Foods to be honest, okay. because mm. historically they've just you know they've they tend to do what they want to do and not really try to explain it you know, in, in the process of doing it, that's kind of long when their MO. So I'm sure they'll get some questions about it and I'm sure they'll give like some kind of general phrasings. I don't think we're going to get a great deal of insight from it. That's not been their style. They could, could certainly change that. Um, but yeah, it's expected to be another strong quarter for them. And of course the, um, I mean, there's not just the retail side, there's AWS, this cloud business they have that has been the, the key yeah. to their profit right. growth. Right. I wanted to ask um, about and that's that. expected to show like 40, low 40% growth, uh, in the second quarter when there wasn't even that much that there wasn't even really strong price cuts in the cloud that, that they've done in the past. So that's, that's still going to probably turn into a really good story for them. Isn't this something? How many? This is like something. I'm gonna get this wrong, but there's some like nine straight quarters now that you know Amazon has reported a profit, which is for a company that is, you know, has throughout its twenty plus years of existence has been focused on growth. I mean, focused just on you know growing the business instead of uh, profit. That's that really speaks to their uh, cloud business. It does, and that's you know if you actually look at the. Uh, the profit growth and the free cash flow, um, it's pretty substantial how that's been changing. And it should be noted, the cloud is an expensive thing to, expensive business to operate. And they've had to do right. a lot of capital expenditures and other, other investments to keep that business competitive, um, which kind of, which does hurt the free cash flow a bit. But even, even if you factor that in, the free cash flow has gone up substantially every quarter. So it's it's really I think structurally changing the company, even though it's still, you know, s- smaller than the retail side in terms of revenue. Right. It's it's well, a pretty significant and, shift. And I think I don't know the numbers offhand. I don't know what the the total profit grow, profit is supposed to be for Amazon offhand. But I mean, they're they're not in the the billions in terms of quarterly profits, whereas some of these other companies are, right? I mean, they're still earning hundreds of millions, but isn't aren't they still in that hundreds of millions range in terms of profits? Uh, they they are they actually in. They're expected to do in terms of operating income a little over a billion in terms in of operating income, but not net. Right? Um, and net, yeah, I'm not sure with net. I think yeah. that's around like you know six seven hundred. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Their mar- their margins aren't the same as you know as their tech peers for sure because right. the retail business has only been like low single digits, mm-hmm. but you know the cloud business brings like you know it's averaging mid twenty low to mid twenty percent. Right. Um, operating margins, so it's it's you know it has this outsized effect on the bottom line, right. and that's actually a, an advantage for them because when they're going up against other tech companies that have really large margins that they're trying to protect, for Amazon almost anything is better than they've had in the past. You know, yeah. no room to go but up in, in that yeah. sense. Right, and they're crazy. I've, I'm sure you saw the, uh, the the meme that was going around last week, the Jeff Bezos pictures, the then and now. Have you seen those? Oh, wait, with his uh... where he's all jacked up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, it's... I have no insight on that one. But but it, it's kind of that is it's almost like a representation of Amazon, right? I mean, twenty years ago, he was the typical kind of skinny nerdy geek who had a, a just you know a product online, and now he's this jacked up monster almost. Like that is Amazon. They are a behemoth that is swallowing 
certainly retail, swallowing tech. I mean, for better or for worse, there are pros and cons that come with that on a societal level. But I mean, they are they, they have put themselves in an incredibly central place in everything we do. They have, and I, you know, I think the. When, when we see when we see other companies and stocks kind of panic when they decide that they're going to get into something, sometimes that looks like an overreaction because yeah. not everything they try works out. Um, but they are they're willing to fail at a pretty high rate. I mean, this is a company that launched a phone and yeah. blew it. Right, and, right. Okay, we're we're done with that. We'll, you know, went on to other things, and they've actually had other devices be very successful. So. They're not, they're not afraid of making some big efforts and, and stumbling. Yeah. So when you look at that and the successes they've racked up, it is worth being nervous about when they're going, you know, are they going to, when they're going to get into something, you know, what, what is the effect going to be? I mean, they're not going to have the entire U.S. grocery market anytime soon, but by buying Whole Foods and wrapping that into distribution and all the other things they could do with it, uh, they could become a major player in a pretty short time. Yeah. I mean, it is it is sort of at work. we are at this point where I think, you know, some of Wall Street and analysts and stuff like that are expecting almost, you know, to Amazon to basically have the entire consumer market within, you know, a certain number of years. I mean, we're getting to the point like they're never going to you know, be able to fulfill the expectations right. that people are laying that on are them. baked into that crazy yeah. PE they've got. But I mean, the other thing, too, is you you it's talking about the impact that, you know, Amazon is having on other retailer stocks. I mean, you look at Best Buy, which has performed actually reasonably well this year, and especially in comparison to other what retailers. Been, yeah. Yeah. They got hit just because Amazon said they were going to start their version of Geek Squad. And then, you know, the Sears announcement last week where, you know, they're going to start selling their 10 more products through, you know, Amazon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hit Home Depot and Lowe's. And it's unclear, to be honest, you know, I think it's it's hard to see how much impact that is really going to have on the a Lowe's or Home Depot. Uh, but it still took five six percent off their stock. Right. right. Yeah, they're they're a monster. All right, let's uh, let's. Wrap I, just, up. I was just Whoa. gonna, I was just going to say real quickly. Okay. Because we do have Exxon and Chevron, two big energy companies, reporting. Interestingly, you know, the expectations for those companies are coming, you know, in and coming in reasonably uh, quickly yeah. as as the you know even after the quarters ended. Um, so it will be interesting to see how those results go. Yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah, and it's it's a heavy earnings week. I mean, 3M, Caterpillar, Kimberly Clark. I mean, there's still a lot of names on there. We just we chose to focus on tech today. Boeing, uh, AT and T are on there too. Right. Um, and energy is interesting because that like you know their performance will determine a great deal of the growth of overall S and P 500 yeah. earnings, just because they're bouncing off such a low floor. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Everyone, thank you for listening. As always, we appreciate it. We will catch up with you very soon. Enjoy our podcasts? Then listen in your car. Before you start down the road, just sync your smartphone using Bluetooth or plug into the USB port. Got Apple CarPlay? Just tap on the podcast app and search for WSJ. So, the next time you're getting behind the wheel, take us along and enjoy the ride. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously.